welcome to another edition of the Unicorns Podcast. This is a podcast series featuring business leaders, motivators, innovators, and general go-getters. Well, today on the Unicorns, we're featuring Compono, an Australian people intelligence company that recently brought on X-Zero Australia Managing Director Trent Innes to lead the company. With an ongoing war for talent in industries like healthcare, technology, and professional services, Compono's technology helps make sure the candidate you pick is the right one for your business. So much of the way we work has changed since the pandemic, and a number of tech solutions are out there purporting to solve what has always been seen as a human skill, finding the right person for the job. Compono is now changing all of that using smart technology. And I'm pleased to say Trent Innes, the CEO of Compono, joins me now. G'day, Trent. Welcome to the program. Thanks, Justin. It's, uh, it's awesome to uh, come and have a chat with you. So you've had your feet under the desk now for a few months or so. How have you found the transition to starting a new job? Mate, it's been fantastic. I was very, I was very lucky to have a break. And, uh, you know, after you know, the last sort of eight and a half years at, at Zero, um, you know, I decided it was time to spend a little bit of time with the family, especially coming out the back end of the pandemic as well. So I was lucky to have sort of eight months off or so, and uh, which mm-hmm. was a perfect amount of time. I, I got through the list of jobs that uh, that my family asked me to do, and or at least I got through the list of the ones that I actually wasn't capable of doing or didn't want to do. And so once I got through that, I was actually in a pretty good place. So that was it was really good just to spend some time, some time with the family. You know, my kids are starting to grow up a bit, so that was great. And just you know, do a couple of things that I wanted to do for myself as well. So um, mm. and where's home for you? Yeah, so uh, Melbourne's my base, uh, but you know I do actually spend quite a lot of time in Queensland as well. And you know, Compono's based out of Brisbane, so that, that yes. works really well for me as well to be able to split my time between uh, between Queensland and uh, and Melbourne. So you're back flying again. I am back flying again, and uh, it's you get you get used to it again pretty quickly. Today. I was actually on my way back from a, a live event yesterday. I don't know if you remember those sort of events we used to do, those live events. <laughs> and uh, it was a bit weird. It was a bit weird talking in front of people again, but but still, uh, yeah, it was really good fun as well. But just the airports have got busy. They've come back to normal pretty quickly, haven't they, in terms of capacity? Well, I mentioned zero. Um, what were you doing? What were you doing there? Tell us about yeah. what you did at zero. Absolutely. So I was very fortunate to join Zero in the in the early days, and uh, you know, joined. I think there was only probably thirty or forty people in, in Australia at that stage, and no one even really knew who the company was. You, we got compared to a photocopy company most of the time. Yeah, that's right. Can you scan this for me? Can you fax it? There, there, there was a bit of that. The old Xerox came out a lot, so it was a very mm. unknown business. I was very fortunate to actually grow with that business you know, during what I call the scale, the scale up phase of it, and that's the part of the journey that I that I really loved the most. And mm. you know, the business had great success. It's now a household name, and you know, it's really helped. A, it's really helped a lot of you know small businesses you know, better understand their financials and. So I really enjoyed my journey there, and yes. uh, the the role I did was a uh, managing director of uh, Zero in Australia and Asia. So I set up the Asia business as well, and uh, it just got to a stage where I was ready for a new challenge, and uh, wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do, but thought you know, I'll take a bit mm. of a break and see what presents itself. So you know, I was very fortunate that Compono Compono came along, and it really ticked a whole lot of the boxes that I was looking for. 
And how how did that opportunity present itself? Were you just out networking and all of a sudden a conversation led to a deeper conversation and all of a sudden you're uh, you're in the hot seat? Yeah, probably there's a bit of that. Look, actually, I actually met the founder during the pandemic. So we'd actually ran into each other during, the, during that time and, and I got to know him, one of the founders, Carl. And, uh, Carl. Yeah, we and know I was Carl. Also, yeah. And I was also very, um, I was also very, I had my mindset on the sort of job that I wanted to do next. And that was one of the things I thought a lot about during my break. And you know, I, I realized, I kind of touched on this before, but my, my favorite part of the journey at Zero was the scale-up phase, that stage mm. where... You know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not a founder. Uh, hats off to founders because you've got to be slightly mm. mad to do that. I you know, love, love them because otherwise you wouldn't create new companies. But I'm not, <laughs> exactly. really, I'm not really a full corporate guy either. So, you know, I sort of sit right in that middle sweet spot. Where mm. Companies are companies looking to sort of scale from, you know, whether it be 50 or 100 people or $10 million in recurring revenue and onwards. That's the part of the journey that I, that I love the most. You know, they might be looking to take their company global or look into new product lines. But, yeah, they want to grow rapidly. Uh, and I think that's really my, my sweet spot and where I think I can add most value. So it ticked those boxes. It also ticked the boxes that, you know, I actually really like HR tech, although on the surface, it feels like there's a lot of solutions out there. The reality is not many of them have actually really solved this problem. And that is, mm. you know, who, who, who to hire and how to, how to skill them. You know, at a really simple level, uh, a lot of that is left to, to luck and, and bias from the person doing the interview. Whereas there's a great opportunity to actually you know, reimagine the way that people people hire. I think you know, Compino can be at the forefront of that. So for those listeners who are not familiar with Compono, can you give us a breakdown of what the business is all about and how it works? Yeah, absolutely. So look, um, one of the biggest problems I've faced during my career as I've been working on, in, especially in scaling companies, is finding that finding the right people that are going to be successful inside the organization that you're working for. When you break that right down, I think historically we've always looked at things like skills, knowledge, and experience when we're, when we're hiring people. And that's really what a CV tells us. You know, it's very, very flat. Tells you, you know, where you've worked before, what skills you've got, you know, and maybe a little bit about what your aspirations are. Yes. But, but it's a quite, quite a static document. Whereas the reality is most companies, what they're really hiring for is trying to find people that are actually going to be successful inside their organization from a cultural fit and attitude perspective. Yes. And that, and that was the bit that I, that was the biggest challenge for me, especially as Zero was growing, was finding those people that had a growth mindset that would be able to come inside Zero and be successful. Because nothing, there's nothing worse than hiring someone when they're actually not they're not set up for success in the business that, you, that you're bringing them into, maybe for cultural mm. fit or whatever it might be. And that's really what at the heart of what Compono is doing. So it allows you to, you know, we, we connect to over 1,200 job boards around the world. So, you know, very yeah. much, um, you know, in this, in this time and place where we're thinking about, you know, true global markets, you know, reaching, reaching out you know, beyond traditional sort of borders bringing that information back into the system. And then, then you have the ability to shortlist that data within the system based on, you can do it on skills and knowledge, absolutely, but you can also do it on cultural fit as well. And historically, especially in corporations, they, they wouldn't do that sort of psychometric testing until, until the end of the process. When it's mm. too late. It's too late by then. The reality is the reality is that's the stuff you want to know up front. That's the most important stuff. This, mm. you know, we, used to call it, we used to call it soft skills, Justin, but the reality is there's nothing soft about soft skills. They should actually call them hard skills because they're actually the harder skills. And by bringing that to the forefront of the process, we're allowing people to actually maybe even find that hidden gem in, in, the, in, the, uh, 
in the list of candidates they're looking at as well. So is that um, while a candidate perhaps might not look as good on paper with various skills and achievements and whatnot, their attitude and cultural fit, so to use to use your words, might be 10 out of 10 and all of a sudden your tech puts them at the, the top of the pile for potential candidates. Is that right? Correct. If that is the thing that you're most looking for. So if you're, yes, you, okay. you, you, would, you would then weight your, your search criteria on cultural fit and attitude, which to me, personally, that's the most, um, that's the most important thing that I, that, that I look for. I can, I can, I can teach skills. You can, you can gain experience. You can, you can. You can. But attitude's quite a binary thing and cultural fit's quite a binary thing in some ways as well. And, you know, I think it, the, real, the, real, the reality is historically that's very been much left up to the, the interview process. And a, and a lot of bias can come into that interview process as well because, you know, I've seen, I've seen so many people, especially people that are interviewing their, you know, their, first ever, their first ever hire, they tend to hire themselves. They go, they sit <laughs> in the interview and go, gee, I really like you. You're great. Mm. Uh, I'll hire you. And then about a month later, they go, there's something wrong about you. I really don't like you. <laughs> <laughs> I've, just, I've, just, I've just hired myself. I'm breaking and, up with myself. Yes. Yeah, I'll break you up with myself. But but look, I, I'll be a bit facetious with that. But but the reality is there's so much bias in that process um, that quite often as a result, the best candidates might get overlooked. Mm. Um, and especially it's perhaps even more important when you may be looking for talent globally as well, given you know some of the shortages we see today in, 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 you know, for certain roles that can be done remotely, you know, that becomes even super more important because the you have to then really think about the cultural fit aspect of, the, of that person mm. in your organization. Mm. So from a customer perspective, what do, what do they do at their end? How do you plug Compono into their tech stack? Yeah, look, it depends what tech stack they've got. I mean, um, a lot of existing, existing customers will have you know, an applicant tracking system, but that really manages just the process of once you've, once someone's actually applied for a role, then they'll go through that, pro- that, that, that particular process and through the steps. We're really sitting above that and actually helping you build a pool of candidates before that. So we actually, we sort of, we plug into a number of applicant tracking systems. Uh, and we'll also, and we, we also plug into all those job boards that we mentioned before as well from our, from our core product. And is it more, is um, the Compono technology more suited to a particular profession or industry, uh, blue collar, white collar. Give us a sense of um, how it works in that regard. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the one of the things I really love about this opportunity, and uh, yeah, that really drew me to 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 Compono was the fact that you know hiring is a very horizontal and global opportunity. So it pretty much touches mm. every industry, uh, and it also is is something that you do in every, in every country. And so there's a great opportunity to take this truly, truly global and across uh, you know, a wide variety of, of, of industries. There are some particular ones that definitely stand out. So you know, one, of our, one of our existing customers, Coffee Club, as an example, uses it uh, mm-hmm. extensively to actually breathe through. But they're, they're looking for you know, various types of people, types in, inside hospitality. On the other end of the spectrum, there we actually have quite a few government customers as well. And so they're looking for quite different things. So a customer will actually you use that the information or the candidates that are coming through um, and look at them in quite different ways depending on the sort of role they're looking for or the or the type of business that they might be 
Does it, if you, if you talk to any person, any business that is hiring for a vacant position, you know, the one thing that they all want is a good candidate. And probably the second thing is, can you just make it easy for me? Make, <laughs> make the process easier. So can you, can you say that through using Compono, um, you help tick those boxes? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, you might actually find someone that you would not have normally thought about. So, so I'll give you an example. So, the number one, the number one uh, role in Australia right now, and actually in, in most um, developed countries at the moment, that people cannot find is drivers. People cannot find mm. drivers. You know, truck drivers, delivery drivers, whatever it might be. They, that that is the number one role out there at the moment, and you just cannot find people for it. And uh, interesting enough, when you actually look at some of the criteria that matches up against that, was a, someone gave a great example of this recently, you know, a, a nurse actually matches up really well against that particular role. And you wouldn't think, you wouldn't necessarily think of that out of, uh, off the top of your head, but yeah. they are, they, they do shift work, they follow process and procedures, and so they actually lend themselves really well to that. So if someone who might be wanting to exit nursing, for an example, that might be a valid option for them, but you would... Never normally find that through a no. if you weren't doing some skills matching necessarily or at, or attribute matching in terms of the way that they like to work. Can you um, talk about some of your customers? Who are the clients that, that you're working with that are, that are out there using Compono and are flying the flag for Compono? Yeah, yeah. So I touched on Coffee Club before. So that's, yeah, yeah, that's, a, that's a great example of, uh, of, a, of a customer that's using it. They use it um, in most of their stores. Um, yes. Plug in the job boards. Uh, and then, you know, we've got a number of government type customers that, 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 use, it, that use it as well. But Look, it's definitely a, it's a, it's a, gro- it's a growing, growing area at the moment. Um, and, you know, probably, you know, um, the one that I always reference the most is Coffee Club because I think that is a really good example. What about uh, the way Compono, obviously, you can't talk about from the, the moment it was founded, um, given you're only recently you've been with the company, but how has Compono changed in your perspective since, since it was first conceived, first started to, to where it is now? Obviously, you, you're starting a business, priorities change, technology changes, you know, there's probably a pivot or two there. What, how's, it, how's it changed? How's it grown? Yeah, so definitely, um, you know, so Rudy and Carl that started that started the business were you know fundamentally looking at solving the problem we spoke about earlier, which is finding finding the best possible talent that you can um, based based on the criteria that's most important to you, and how do you find those those sort of hidden gems? And uh, Rudy's an organisational psychologist by trade, and mm. so that's so a lot of um, a lot of the smarts within the product are actually you know have come come from Rudy and at his his background. Uh, and Carl's much more an entrepreneur background, and so the two of them together um, actually the ones that the credit. It's a great mix. Yeah, it's a really good mix, and so they've been working together, and they've uh, yeah, during during that during that time, um, the business is definitely evolving and, and and changing and growing. We're at that you know, real inflection point right now, where the business is ready to scale, and I think you know what they what they realised is Carl's a great startup guy. He'd say this by his own admission. Um, but they wanted to bring someone in that could actually really help them scale and that had done that previously. Mm. And that was the role that, I, you know, hopefully I can play for them. Well, then what then, based on that trend, is the potential market opportunity for Compono? 
I think it's actually, it's really hard. It's a really good question, actually, Justin. It's one I've obviously, uh, as soon as you come into a business, you know, the first thing you look at is, you know, what's my, what's my total addressable market and what's my service? Mm, where, what am I doing with this thing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's really hard to put a cap on it. And the reason for that, and as I touched on before, is that a hiring, a hiring solution lends itself to pretty much every industry, every business pretty much hires at some point, at, 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 some, at some level. And every country does the same thing as well. So it's a truly global horizontal offering. I think where it gets really interesting though is that how, how far down the value chain can we take this in terms of down into small business land? Because small business, and this is something I'm very passionate about given my days at zero, mm. small business is, very, is, is, is largely um, ignored historically from a technology perspective. Um, Absolutely, and, yes. And zero solve some of those problems. But they still they really struggle to hire people. And you know, if you look at the data in Australia alone, forty five percent of those people who are employed in Australia are employed by a small business. So it's it's a large segment of the economy, and there's and there's no reason we can't take it the whole way down into into that segment as well. Um, a lot of the big businesses will have processes in place for for hiring, or they'll have teams of people that are doing that for them. But there's a there's a great opportunity to to take to take this offering you know right down to small business so they've got access to, to great talent as well. And is it um, a, a technology solution that is global in the sense that it, it can work in the Western world, but in in other corners of the globe? Because obviously there are small businesses everywhere. So is is it suitable for all all economies? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, I mean, look, at this stage, we are we're only developed for English speaking, but it's actually not not hard to necessarily hard for us to change uh -huh. that. And it's definitely yep. something we will look at yep. doing at the, at, at the right time. But you know, there's a there's a lot of market just in uh, you know in English speaking countries to start with. But but our job boards actually do integrate to many places around the world already. So we have lots of candidates coming through, and you know, there's you know, I think people start to really open their mind up now to for roles that where it makes sense that they could actually be anywhere around around the world. It's just about finding finding the right talent. You know, especially, you know, in Australia, um, you know, the number unemployment numbers came out again today. I think they were three point four percent, which is like crazy yes. low. So people yeah. got to people have got to open their mind up for you know particular roles and say, you know, does does that role need to be in Australia or could I actually tap into a resource overseas and potentially and you know, even if they, you know, open it up when they're when they're posting the role and say I want to go into a few job boards, not just in my local region, but but globally, um, it really starts to open up that market opportunity. So, big, massive, massive, massive opportunity. Um, it's just really comes down now to execution. Well, I'm keen to know your thoughts on on that trend because obviously since COVID, when everyone was forced to work from home for at least some part uh, of the last couple of years when previously I suppose it was mainly nine to five at your desk in the office. Now that's all changed. That's gone. So where do you see uh, the future of work now? Do you, do you anticipate this hybrid model of working, complete flexibility? Like that's, is that now a, a permanent part of, of work? Yeah, it's, it's a really. I mean, I've been asked this question a lot, and uh, yes, I did spend a lot of time in lockdown because I was in Melbourne, so uh, we spent yes. a, 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 a time mm. in, lock, in, in lockdown. But nightmare. Uh, uh, 
I've started to recover. Not not quite there yet, but uh, <laughs> but, I'm, but, I'm, but I'm, I'm on the journey. Uh, yeah, very good. <laughs> the, Twelve steps. It's a really, it's a really interesting question, and uh, you know, I've I've always worked for technology companies, so I've I've been used to working in hybrid work environments pretty much my whole career, and that's been okay. Yeah. So I worked for you know prior to zero, I worked for Microsoft, uh, predominantly predominantly working very very heavily with people based in. Uh, based in the US, and so you work in different time zones, you work in different locations, you know, and 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 you sort of have that flexibility. I think the big difference, though, in the industries that I work in, and I think I could probably only really speak speak to them, is the change has gone from, you know, predominantly working in the office. There's kind of an expectation that if you're around, you'll come into the office, and then if you have a yeah. reason to work, you know, remotely, then then you do. Um, and it's flipped right that way around now. And it's like people now are only really coming to the office for a specific event or for some other reason. So I don't, I don't think we've found the balance yet. Uh, and I think the balance will come back. I do, I do think in certain, I mean, there's certain roles that lend themselves to being office bound. I mean, if you're in retail, you know, you've got to, you've, you've got to come, you've got to come into the retail. Yeah. Store, so yeah that's Sorry. Pretty hard. I'm working. It's hard to sell someone a shirt if you're working from home. Yeah, correct. Correct. And so that, so there's certain roles that are always going to be that. Or if you're in hospitality, then, yeah, it's pretty hard to yeah, sell of course. You know, a, a coffee or a meal remotely. Of course. But um, <laughs> we haven't quite got there yet. But in terms of more office, office, traditional, what I would say, office or white collar roles, mm. you know, I think the, the, the reality is now that we have realized that through technology, we can work remotely, we can, we can be productive. Mm. I think where it will get interesting is how do you build and retain culture in those environments? I think we've always kind of built culture around the office environment. And that's what yeah, we've and done. Personal interaction, water cooler, yeah. chatter. Uh, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Probably the thing that I missed the most, and I found this during, during COVID, um, was the unstructured conversations, especially as a leader. I mean, I used to one of my favourite parts of the day back in my zero days was, you know, I'd get in, uh, I'd get in early and sit in a common area where we had a coffee machine, and people would come in to make their coffee, and you'd speak to lots of different people in the morning. And it might just be, you know, good morning, how are you going? What are you working on at the moment? And very un- unstructured. I'll be, and yes. I'm speaking very personally now, but I've, I, I missed that. I found yeah. that, especially in a leadership position, it gave me a really good insight to the pol- a pulse on the business and what how how, th- how things were going. Mm. That is much much harder in a remote environment. So I think, can we work remotely? Absolutely. Does it make sense mm. for all roles? Probably probably not. Will we be as innovative as we have historically? I'm not I'm not sold on that yet. You know, I think. Yeah. I, I, and how I, do you track productivity? Without, without, as a boss, without being seen to be some draconian big brother. Um, well, well, I think <laughs> that, yeah, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not too concerned about that. I think that comes down to empowerment and trust. If you don't, if you don't truly trust your people, you've got a problem anyhow. Mm. Um, and most, most people, most people go to work and take a paycheck to do the right thing. You know, mm. I. Yeah, I, I, fundamentally, so. I fundamentally believe that otherwise I actually wouldn't do these sort of roles. But I think most times, you know, I won't put a percentage on it, but the vast majority of people want to go to work, want to have an impact, want to want to finish their day and say, hey, I, I did something really good today. You know, I, I worked on something that is going to have an impact or was done, you know, I'm proud of. I think that's what most people do. And so the, real, so the, so the, so the reality is, you know, I think if you empower people and you trust people, that's okay. But it's more about how do you make them feel part of something? And that's 
that's about, I think human nature really wants, we, we, we want to work together. We actually, I think yes, a lot of yes. work, work together. But the flip side of that is there's actually some people that actually work much better apart as well. And so, you know, if, you, if you're naturally, <laughs> if you're, right. if you're, if, if you're naturally, well, if you're naturally <laughs> introvert, it probably works. But I love it. Love I think it. The, I think the balance, is in, the balance is in between somewhere. And I think, you know, I think what we have done is we can prove we can move, we can work in regional centers, we can work here from overseas if we need to. Um, you know, we can we can actually build a hybrid model and in, incorporate our work and our work and home lives together, which I think is great. I mean, how how nice is it that people don't feel guilty now dropping their kids at school? Because mm. mm. one of the most that's one of the most special things you'll ever do is watching you, you know, or when they still want to wave goodbye to you and then they get a bit older, that sort of goes away. But, <laughs> yes, that's but, right. But for that period, if you can incorporate that into your day without asking permission, then that's that's a that's a pretty amazing thing. Mm. And I think we don't want to take that away from people, but I think the reality is, you know, I probably answers in a very long way, but it's about finding a balance. And I don't think we've found the balance yet. Mm. It's an interesting point you raised, though, that, you know, through COVID, we, we had to adapt so, you know, there are so many industries now where as a result of the pandemic, they have evolved to the point where, you, as you rightly say, you might consider taking on someone, <clears throat> pardon me, who is based overseas, you know, might be hugely qualified, great cultural fit, but, you know, they're in a completely different time zone. Well, you know, if they can get the job done and they're good and they're going to put in, well, why not do it? And I think that's one of the good things, if anything, about the work disruption, that it's it's opened up the borders from a from a work point of view. Well, if you think historically what your talent pool was to attract a great mm. candidate, mm. Was, it wasn't that long ago that they had to be, you would advertise only for the city that you were in. And then you'd only probably advertise for one segment of the, of the, of the city. So say you're in Sydney, for an example, People don't like going from the west to the east or from the north to the south because the reality is it's hard. It's actually physically hard to do that. And you spend, you know, three hours a day traveling. And so straight away, your talent pool is actually quite restricted. So when you think outside the pool, and if it works for the employee and the employer, then it's worth opening up your eyes and, and, and finding great talent wherever they might be. So what's, um, what's happening in the HR tech space at the moment? Trent, I mentioned in my intro, there's a lot of, a lot of um, supposed solutions out there. How do, how do customers break through that white noise to figure out what's, what's worth it, what's good, what's actually going to help them and make their hiring processes easier? Yeah, you're right. There is, there's a lot of innovation going on in this area. And I think that's probably in some ways one of the benefits of COVID is that people have now realized, so businesses have now realized that the most important thing in their business is people. And, you know, you have to work, so you have to have systems and tools in place to do that. Um, and so people are really invested. Historically, they've invested in, you know, payroll and, H, you know, HR systems, but most of them are system of record businesses. They're not really, they're not really helping you find great, great, great talent. And so you know, there is definitely an innovation wave going on uh, in this space, and especially, you know, it, and it supports very much the way that we work and the way, and thinking, thinking differently is, you know, to help you find great candidates wherever they may be, or at least be able to consider great candidates wherever they may be and whatever backgrounds they may come from as well. So try to really, you know, increase your talent pools of and access to great talent, you know, for a variety, for a variety of different reasons. So 
definitely a, a boom in this space, and it was definitely one of the industries that I was I was targeting that I wanted to get involved with. Um, you know, the hardest I touched this before, but the hardest thing during my career to date has been, has been finding the right people at the right mm. time, mm. at the right time. And I think that's the key thing at the right time. <laughs> I've hired people that are amazing people, but didn't fit the opportunity or the journey the company was on at that point in time. Yes. And yeah. And so it's how do you get that right? And how do you get that balance right? Because everyone's made bad hires. I mean, we've all we've all we've, mm. we've, we've we've all done it. But it's not it's not great for the company and it's definitely not fair for the individual. So, you know, if we can start to get to a point where we help with that process where, you know, we, we can help you find candidates that are far more suitable for your business and, and will match your culture, then or at least fit into your culture, then I think, you know, we're, we're, we're onto a bit of a winner there. So pretty, pretty excited, but definitely, um, you're right, interesting, really interesting space at the moment. I think there's a lot more development to go on in this space um, as well. You'll probably see some, some consolidation as well, but okay. definitely, um, yep. definitely interesting times. And so what would your advice be, Trent, to say a, a small business, even a, a medium-sized business that's battled with the struggle of, of hiring staff, getting in good talent, what would your advice to them be? I think they've got to think about things a little bit differently. And so they're probably very traditional. They probably take, you know, I mean, here's a, here's a normal scenario. So most people are on a four-week notice period. So, yes. You know, so they come in one day and say, That's it. I'm, I'm off. That's it. I'm off. Not, yeah, not, not, not staying anymore. I've, I've signed up for a new job. I'll see you later. So then you spend a week going, oh, that's, that's a bit annoying or you might be happy mm. about it depending, depending on the scenario. But <laughs> you look at it, but it still takes, still takes you a week. And then and a week later you go, well, gee, we probably should look at um, you know, replacing Got to do this, something this about role that. now. Mm. Got to do something. So you dust off an old, uh, you dust off an old position description or you, uh, or, you go, or, you, or you go onto one of the job <laughs> boards and download one that sounds similar and change, change the name in it. Uh, mm. you then you then you then post that up somewhere a couple another week later you get some applicants in if you're lucky um, that that kind of makes sense and then you start doing the interview process by then the person in the current role is gone they've they're left. long gone yeah they're long gone and then I think on average you know the the studies on this vary slightly but it generally takes about 80 days to find the right person mm. and, to, and, and to bring them into organization and the smaller you are the harder the harder it becomes to do that as well and so it's about you know, really trying to improve the the time to hire as well, and trying to you know make it a make it a lot quicker for organisations to be able to hire people. Um, and that's that, a lot of that is about increasing the size of the talent pools and and, and letting people think differently. So one of the things we do in the product as well uh, is we have uh, job templates. So we have all these positions already uh, position descriptions pre mapped, um, and you can just update the skills and knowledge and things that you want in that, and that will actually you know help help you write a position description really quickly as well. And so then when you post mm. it, you don't the, the, the business doesn't the business doesn't have to go through the process of actually doing that themselves because m- most of them are not great at it. It's not their core skill, uh, and so yeah, we, we we help them do that process by having all these templates sitting in the system. Well, final final question: What's um what's next for Compono? Where's uh where's it going, mate? Maybe over the next say. <laughs> Uh, twelve months. Where's the um? What what are your tea leaves telling you about the future for Compono? Mate, it's a really it's a really good question. I mean, the big the big one for me is I think we're in a really interesting space, and so the the, the war for talent and how you find talent is is expanding, and people are thinking differently. And you know, so we have a great opportunity to be at the forefront of that. 
my 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 main goal at the moment is to really get the brand out there and to let people know what it is that we do and what and what, and what we stand for and more prob- and more importantly the problem we're we're aim- aiming to solve. So that's my that's my big focus area at the moment. And then you know, uh, I would love to. Uh, it's quite aspirational, but I, I would love to see us you know prove that we can be a another global tech company from this part of the world. And then something. I'm super passionate about. I look at um, zero, zero was obviously a great example of that, and there's been some been some others, but not enough. There's not enough global tech companies built from this part of the world, and there's and there's no reason there shouldn't be. And so this is a great opportunity to do that. As I mentioned before, it's a horizontal offering that can go into all different industries. So we've got a great opportunity to do it. It'll all just come down to a focus and execution now. And uh, you know, I think my team's probably sick of me saying focus and execution, but at the end of the day, the great, the great, the great companies are the ones that actually clearly articulate where they're heading and then execute against that. Well, good luck, mate. We um, will be monitoring your progress with uh, with much interest. Trent Innes, CEO of Compono, thanks for coming onto the show, and all the very best in the future. Thanks, Justin.